Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. How are you guys doing? Another beautiful day here in paradise, slightly overcast, and the weather is, as usual, 80 degrees outside. Got a low of 75 last night, and um, yeah, I don't know what the um, humidity is. I'm always I'm always intrigued. I don't know why by the humidity, because it always feels like 100%, but <laughs> it's not. It's 85%. Dew point is 75, so uh, we have predicted rain today, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, anyway, let's look at this day history trivia and see what comes up there for today. Where do you keep the Schwarzenegger dolls in a doll store? (laughs) I'll be back. I'll be back. (laughs) That's that's really bad. Okay, let's try another one. Um, why do uh, fish in the ocean <laughs> live in salt water? Because they're allergic to pepper. Mm. I didn't make it up. It's a dad joke. It wasn't mine. So let's look and see what else. Famous quote of the day. If you don't make time for your wellness, you will be forced to make time for your illness Anonymous, isn't that true? If you don't make time for your wellness, you'll be forced to make time for your illness. I'm trying. I got to work a little bit more on exercise, walking. That's just tough, tough to do with all our running around business. Okay. Catholics made a big assumption on this day. (laughs) This is the day of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. According to this, uh, interesting, I believe this was celebrated two or three days ago up in Mascota, I think is what the, the Holy Day of Obligation Solemnity commemorating a marriage entry into heaven, body and soul. Now, is there any biblical uh, proof of that? No. Is there any eyewitnesses to that? No. This is pure Catholic assum- assuming, I think that's a good reason to say it assumption they're supposed to be she's assumed up in heaven but i think they're making a big assumption here uh mary died her body decayed and she did not go up into heaven body and soul she will at the rapture her body will go up but not until then first female cadet to attend the citadel in 1995 a big day for the um for the military i guess and um, what else? First woman to play football in a predominantly male professional league, 1970. Well, we don't see a lot of that going on. Uh, Woodstock, August 15th, 1969. <sighs> what more can I say? I was 10 years old. I was enthralled. And my first album was Woodstock. I was 10. Uh, I it was at, uh, attended by a lot of people that were looking for truth, and this is why the Jesus Festival was uh, Jesus Festival. That, well, the Jesus movie and the Jesus Revolution uh, was 
so amazing because it gives you a really good feel for how hungry these people were looking for truth. And thank God, God raised up Chuck at Calvary Chapel to reach out to those uh, those hippies during that time. Um, I think Panama Canal. Okay, this is uh, is declared open on 1914 on, on August 15th. And Michael Jackson buys the Beatles. August 15th, 1985, Michael Jackson pays $47 million for the publishing rights to the Beatles' song catalog. catalog. <laughs> well, I don't know what benefit that did, but oh well. And on this date in 1973, the U.S. ceases bombing Cambodia. Well, that's also a very good thing. Okay, now we're ready to get started. There's a lot actually went on on this day, but uh, we'll... We'll just move on into the reading. Let's open up our Bibles, please. We are in First Chronicles 13, 14, and 15. So, Father, thank you for giving us this time together. And we do pray, God, that you would open up our eyes, show us these things, even if they're complicated, so that we can put the pieces together, so we can understand, have a full grasp of the Scriptures that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Chapter 13, The Peril in Transporting the Ark. Then David consulted with the captains of the thousands and the hundreds, even in every leader. David said to all the assembly of Israel, If it seems good to you, and if it is from the Lord our God, let us send everywhere to our kinsmen who remain in all the land of Israel, also to the priests and the Levites who are with them in the cities with pasture lands, that they may meet with us and let us bring back the ark of our God to us. But we did not seek it in the days of Saul. Then all the assemblies said that they would do so, for the thing was right in the eyes of all the people. So David assembled all Israel together from the Shior of Egypt, even to the entrance of Hamath, to bring the ark of God from kiriath Jerim. David and all Israel went up from Bala, that is Kiriath-Jerim, which belongs to Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God and the Lord who was enthroned over the cherubim, where his name is called. And they carried the ark of God on a new cart from the house of Abinadab and Uzzah and Ahio drove the cart. David and all Israel were celebrating before God with all their might, even with songs and with lyres and harps, tambourines, cymbals, and with trumpets. When they came to the threshing floor of Chidon, Uzzah put out his hand to hold the ark because the oxen nearly upset it. The anger of the Lord burned against Uzzah, so he struck him down because he put out his hand to the ark. And he died there before God. Then David became angry because of the Lord's outburst against Uzzah. And he called that place Perazuzah to this day. David was afraid of God that day, saying, How can I bring the ark of God home to me? So David did not take the ark with him to the city of David, but he took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. Thus the ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house three months. And the Lord blessed the family of Obed-Edom with all that he had. Chapter 14. Now Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David with cedar trees, masons, and carpenters to build a house for him. And David realized that the Lord had established him as king of Israel, and that his kingdom was highly exalted for the sake of his people Israel. Then David took more wives at Jerusalem, and David became the father of more sons and daughters. These are the names of the children born to him in Jerusalem. Shemua, 
Shobab, Nathan, Solomon, Ibhar, Elishua, Elphelet, Noga, Nepheg, Japhia, Elishama, Belidia, and Ephelet. Verse 8, when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king of Israel, and all the Philistines went up in search of David, and David heard of it and went out against them. Now the Philistines had come and made a raid on the valley of Rephaim. David inquired of God, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? And will you give them in my hand? And the Lord said to him, Go up, for I will give them into your hand. So they came up to Baal Perizim, and David defeated them there. And David said, God has broken through my enemies by my hand like the breakthrough of waters. Therefore, they named that place Baal Perizim. They abandoned their gods there, so David gave the order that they be burned with fire. The Philistines made yet another raid in the valley, and David inquired again of God, and God said to him, You shall not go up after them. Circle around behind them and come at them in front of the balsam trees. And it shall be when you hear the sound of the marching in the tops of the balsam trees, then you shall go out to battle, for God will have gone out before you to strike the army of the Philistines. David did just as God had commanded him, and they struck down the army of the Philistines from Gibeon even as far as Gezer. Then the fame of David went out into all the lands, and the Lord brought fear in him on all the nations. Chapter 15. Now David built houses for himself in the city of David, and he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. Then David said, No one is to carry the ark of God but the Levites. For the Lord chose them to carry the ark of God and to minister to him forever. And David assembled all Israel and Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord in its place, which he had prepared for it. David gathered together all the sons of Aaron and Levi, and the sons of Kohath, Uriel, the chief, and 120 of his relatives, the sons of Merari, Asariah, the chief, about 220 of his relatives, the sons of Gershom, Joel, the chief, and 130 of his relatives, the sons of Eliaphan. And Shemaiah, the chief, 200 of his relatives, the sons of Hebron. Eliel, the chief, 80 of his relatives, the sons of Uziel. Aminadab and his chief, 112 of his relatives. David called for Zadok and Abiathar, the priest, and for the Levites, and Uriel, and Asaiah, and Joel, Shemaiah, Eliel, and Aminadab. And he said to them, You are the heads of the fathers' households of the Levites. Consecrate yourselves, both you and your relatives, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord of Israel to the place that I have prepared for it. Because you did not carry it at first, the Lord our God made an outburst on us, for we did not seek him according to his ordinance. So the priests and the Levites consecrated themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. And the sons of the Levites carried the ark of God on their shoulders with the poles thereon. And as Moses had commanded according to the word of the Lord, then David spoke to the chiefs and the priests to appoint their relatives as singers with instruments of music, harps, lyres, loud sounding cymbals. So the Levites appointed Haman, the son of Joel, and his relatives, Asaph, the son of Berechiah, and some of the sons of Merari, their relatives, Ethan, the son of Keshuah, and with them their relatives of the second rank, Zechariah, Ben-Jaziel, Shimiamath, and Jalil, Uni, Eliab, Benaniah, Maaseah, Matithia, Elephilu, Mikaniah, Obed-Edom, and Jalel, the gatekeepers. So the singers, Haman, Asaph, and Ethan, were appointed to sound aloud symbols of bronze, and Zechariah, Aziel, Shimiam, Shimamath, Jael, Uni, Eliab, Masiah, Benaniah, 
the harps turned to Alamoth and Metaniah Eliphaliu in Mikneah, Obed Edom, Jalel, and Azariah to lead the lyres turned to Shimoneth and Chenaneah chief of the Levites, was in charge of the singing. He gave instruction in singing because he was skillful. Berechiah and Ephaniah were gatekeepers of the ark. Shebaniah and Josaphat, Nathanel, Amasiah, Zechariah, Benaniah, Eliezer the priest, blew the trumpets before the ark of God, Obed-Edom, and Jehiah were the gatekeepers of the ark. So it was David with the elders of Israel and the captains of thousands who went to bring up the ark of the covenant, of the Lord from the house of Obedidim with joy, because God was helping the Levites who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. They sacrificed seven bulls and seven rams. Now David was clothed with a robe and fine linen with all the Levites who were carrying the Ark and the singers and the Chenaniah, the leader of singing with the singers. David also wore an ephod of linen. Thus all Israel brought up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of a horn and with trumpets, with loud sounding cymbals, with harps and lyres. It happened when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came to the city of David that Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and celebrating, and she despised him in her heart. Well, we'll find out later. She despised him in her heart because she really didn't know the Lord of God. She essentially was following after other gods. But here's the deal with all this very interesting uh, occasion what's going on here david is proclaimed king we saw that yesterday over all israel he has the heart after god so what's he do he seeks the lord as god on what to do first thing he realizes that they need if israel is going to be a nation and be a powerful nation uh, and exist at all they needed to come back to the worship of yahweh they needed to make yahweh king and him center of their country so he wants to go get the ark saul had just forgotten about, and bring it up. But here's the deal, and this is where the application is so applicable for us. David, he had a heart after God. He wanted to serve God, but he was not studying the word of God to know how to worship him. He was making his own assumptions. He was making, I'm just going to go get the ark and bring it up and show by my works, show God what a great king I am and how I love him. And so by my works, I'm going to go get that ark. I'm going to go, I am going to establish worship of Yahweh in Israel. And this was all in David's mind. I'm going to do this. So they get the ark, put it on a cart, and they, they bring it up. And of course, they had not, not studied Leviticus. They had not under, he had not gone back. And what's fascinating is neither did the Levites. None of the head Levites, none of the, the people that were supposed to be ministering around the ark were saying anything to David. Where were they? And so Uzzah touches the ark, and it's holy. No one can touch the ark, especially if you're not a Levite, the high priest, and he dies. What was God saying? Was God unkind? No. God was saying, if you want to come into my presence, if you want to serve me, if you want me in the center of your life to bless you, you have to come to me on my terms. I don't come to you on yours. This is what we see all through church history still happening today. And, and what's phenomenal, what's amazing is that David realized right away that God was right. He was wrong. So he left the ark there, Obedium, and then he obviously goes back to the city of David and gets the scriptures out or gets the Levites and say, what did we do wrong? And they go back and they start reading in Moses and the law and saying, oh, only, only the Korthites, only the Levites, only, only that they can carry the ark. Has to be done with the poles, can't be put on a cart. And so guess what? 
When they go back to the scriptures and find out how to worship God, come to God on his terms, David starts getting blessed all over again. I mean, all over the place. And the Hiram's coming, wanting to build him a house. He gets people wanting to build him stuff. And and right away, the Philistines, who we knew, by the way, they want to come and wipe him out. Anytime a new king came into power, that was the time to pounce and to attack because you didn't want the king to have time to organize the army. And you were going to test him to see, you know, they already knew he was a great military leader. But they realized if we're ever going to win over Israel, we've got to do it now. So they attack right away. But David speaks to God and basically says, God, I'm the earthly king, but you're the heavenly king. What shall I do? And we see how he wins because he goes to the Lord. And then when he realizes how he made a mistake in wanting to come to God, he goes and does it God's way. This impresses me because I grew up with wrong information. The priests, the Levites of our day have like left the ark and they're not telling anybody. They don't know themselves how to come before God the right way. What happened is that it wasn't until somebody said, no, you've got to go into the scriptures and read the scriptures. And there you find out how to have a relationship with God. And so it's not about just going to church and going through the motions and doing what the priests say. It's about having that understanding of who Jesus is, coming into the relationship with him. And wow, when I did that, then all of a sudden everything changed. So David has to basically teach the, the Levites, like, guys, come on. He gets all those guys together and says, you guys were the ones that were supposed to go do this. I'm My own interpretation. You need to go back with the poles, and we need to do this right, because only you guys can carry the ark. And they're like, oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> we kind of forgot about all that. We haven't been reading our Bibles. So... Finally, David has to take things in his own hands to figure out what is the scripturally correct way to worship God. And this is why we go every day in the Word of God to find out how scripturally we're to worship before God. And we see there's a lot of rejoicing, a lot of music, a lot of just joyful celebration when the presence of God comes into the city of David there. All right, more than I probably needed to say on a short devotional, but I thought it was important. So let's move on to 1 Corinthians 9. Paul's use of liberty. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. My defense to those who examine me is this. Do we not have a right to eat and drink? Do we not have a right to take along a believing wife, even as the rest of the apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or do only Barnabas and I not have the right to refrain from working? Who at any time serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of the fruit of it? Or who tends a flock and does not use the milk of the flock? I am not speaking these things according to human judgment, am I? Or does not the law also say these things? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle the ox while it is threshing. God is not concerned about oxen, is he? Or is he speaking altogether for our sake? Yes, for our sake it was written because the plowman ought to plow in hope and the thresher to thresh in hope of sharing the crops. If we sowed spiritual things in you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share the right over you, do we not more? Nevertheless, we did not use this right, but we endure all things so that we will cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who perform sacred services eat the food of the temple, and those who attend regularly to the altar have their share from the altar? 
So also the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. But I have used none of these things, and I am not writing these things so that it would be done so in my case. Or it would be better for me to die than to have any man make my boast an empty one. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for I am under compulsion. For woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this voluntarily, I have a reward. But if against my will... I have a stewardship entrusted to me. What then is my reward? That when I preach the gospel, I may offer the gospel without charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I may win more. To the Jew I became as a Jew, so that I may win the Jews. To those who are under the law, as to under the law, though not being myself under the law so that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without the law, as without the law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I may win those who are without the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that I may, by all means, save some. I do all things for the sake of the gospel, so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. Do you not know that those who run the race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the game exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. So Paul is defending his ministry, unfortunately, to a bunch of false teachers that were in the Corinthians church, trying to trash him, trying to say he was there to steal their money or make, make money off of them. And Paul has to defend his ministry and, and describe ministry. So we're glad he does this because he really describes ministry. And we got all kinds of great theology here. He's, he's, he wants to be all things to all people to reach out to them. He wants to, to identify with people, to empathize with them, but yet get them to understand that he's not under the law of Moses, of the Old Testament any longer. Even though he's a Pharisee, he's under the law of grace. That he, He's free from all these things, but he's free to serve, and he wants to serve. And, of course, there he was making tents. He was not charging them or taking any money just as an extra witness to them, that he wasn't trying to take anything from them. So they could not accuse him of anything. And Renee and I are extremely blessed by so many of you that do support us down here because we are able to do essentially the same thing. We can come to the Mexican community down here, many who have very little money, who work very hard and have a very, very, very low income. And we can say we're coming here not to take but to give. And we want to serve you and preach the gospel and show you that Jesus can set you free. And so because we are supported, we do not have to charge. And we do not have to take an income from the church so all the money can be used for ministry. And that is just a little extra for those people in the culture that are there going, hey, what are you guys, Americans, doing down here? And often they have a misconception of Americans that we're all rich, you know, and that maybe we are taking from them or something but it's just a it's a, just a beautiful freedom, and uh, that's afforded to us because of so so many of you guys out there. 
and the gospel is proclaimed. And we had that wonderful uh, week last week up in um, Mascota, and we're seeing people get saved. We had a lot of people in church on Sunday, and uh, we are able to pay the bills. So praise God. Praise God. All right, uh, Charles Spurgeon, John fourteen thirteen, And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, John fourteen thirteen. It is not every believer who has yet learned to pray in Christ's name, to ask not only for his sake, but in his name, as authorized by him, in a high order of prayer. We would not dare to ask for some things in that blessed name, or it would be a wretched profanation of it. I know it means it's the word profane. Let me see if I get it right. But it would not be a wretched profanation of it. Okay, I think that's how you pronounce it. But when the petition is so clearly right that we dare set the name of Jesus to it, then it must be granted. Prayer is all the more sure to succeed because it is for the Father's glory through the Son. It glorifies his truth, his faithfulness, his power, his grace. The granting of prayer, when offered in the name of Jesus, reveals the Father's love to him and the honor which he has put to him. The glory of Jesus and of the Father are so wrapped up together that the grace which magnifies the one magnifies the other. The channel is made famous through the fullness of the fountain, and the fountain is honored through the channel by which it flows. If the answering of our prayers would dishonor the Lord, we would not pray. But since in this thing he is glorified, we pray without ceasing in that dear name in which God and his people have a fellowship of delight. So let's do that. Father, we do humbly come before you and we thank you that the channels of blessing flow. When your name is being glorified, when you are honored and we see your pro- proclamation of freedom from the bondage of sin being brought to a very beaten down and oppressed people enslaved by the power of sin. And God, we do pray for your spirit to be released all over this city and the places where my brothers and sisters are listening and themselves ministering. We are in the very last of the last days, God, and so we pray that your spirit be moving in mighty, mighty powerful ways, and that we might be instruments of your peace, that we might be made um, your servants as Paul, not under compulsion per se, but under the joy of being able to serve, being able to see, being able to see the fruit, to enjoy the fruit of the harvest, just seeing people's lives changed. It's enough for us, God, to see them turn from sin and to see them walk with you and to see joy come in their life and peace that surpasses understanding, to see families reunited and marriages healed, people coming off drugs and alcohol, and people's minds being washed by the water of your word. Father, there's no greater joy than this. There's no greater payment or, or recompense, we could say, that, that we could ask for than to see, just to be witness to the things you are doing and to see you be glorified and your name lifted up. So this, to this end, we pray, God, we ask that you continue to work through us. We thank you for the evangelism team that's been going out on Thursday nights and the people that they have contacted and witnessed to and, and uh, the reports back and being able to pray and see see some people's lives really touched, as well as those kids up in Mascota, seeing how their lives are touched. Those that are listening on the Internet and seeing how you're touching and 
transforming lives. God, continue to do that. And, and may you continue to increase, God, uh, that more people can be reached, and that more people might be brought into this beautiful relationship. In the meantime, God, touch those lives that are needing a special blessing, the caster lines with their daughters for the healing of their minds to get off, to get clean out the bacteria so they can get back to being young, beautiful young girls with healthy minds. Continue to use the medicine, continue to use the food, the diet, exercise, everything to, to help them back on the road to recovery, as well as anyone going through this difficult time, God, of so many different, so many different diseases, so many different things going on. Many of us getting hit with things we had no idea we we're going to get hit with, uh, and trying to learn how to deal with them, as well as our joints and our muscles just come to not cooperating, hurting. God should pray for that. Pray for Renee's back and her neck, healing on all that, so she can even her ankles, so that she can the inflammation can go down her body, so she can function. So thank you, God, again for your love for us and the things you are doing, and we'll continue to do this very day. In Jesus' name, amen. There we go. So thank you, guys. We will continue this tomorrow and as we move on in Chronicles. So we will see you then. Keep looking up. It's coming back soon. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.